0: Not many small business owners and entrepreneurs really actually like putting themselves out there in marketing. But the sad reality is that if you don't, it will actually lead to no sales. So tune into this episode to find out what you could do to make it so much easier for you instead. Welcome to the Get Out Your Way podcast. I'm your host, Osman Sharif from Rapid Transformation, and I'm here to help you get unstuck so you can rapidly grow your business. As a performance coach for small business owners, I know how vital it is for you to truly embrace entrepreneurship from the inside out, which includes transforming your mindset and using strategies that really work with your unique talents, skills, and entrepreneurial superpower. So are you ready to get out your way? Then let's get started. Welcome to episode number six, and have I got a real treat lined up for you. I had the pleasure of having a great conversation with Janet Murray, who helps business owners to really get better at marketing so that they can make more money. Sounds good so far, doesn't it? Well, Janet is an author, a podcaster, a speaker, who has a huge range of experience behind her after years of working as an editor and journalist for many national newspapers and magazines. And I got to meet Jana last year when she delivered a really powerful keynote session at a conference that I was attending. And I've listened to countless episodes of our podcast and was lucky enough to be one of our guests as well recently. So in this episode, you'll hear us talk about and explore topics such as how she transitioned to doing what she's doing now in her business and how she's used her personality and her entrepreneurial superpower to really grow her business Plus, she dives into where that's been a challenge for her over the years as well. You'll also get to figure out why it's down to your ego often that can stop you from putting yourself out there when it comes to marketing and why we often focus on the wrong person. And actually, it's not really about you after all. You'll get a ton of ideas, I promise you, on how to increase the levels of engagement with your marketing and how there's probably more content ideas out there from your everyday life and business that you're not even tapping into. The conversation really got flowing, so it turned out to be a bumper episode and there's lots of golden nuggets sprinkled throughout. So enjoy, dive in and be sure to listen all the way to the end. You'll find all the links and the resources that we talk about over on the show notes at rapidtransformation.co.uk slash six. Enjoy. Welcome, welcome Janet. It's fantastic to have you here. You're my second guest on the Get Out Your Way podcast. And I must say, when I decided to have my podcast, Janet, your name was top of the list in terms of who was going to come on here. So thank you for being here and a warm welcome to you.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me and I'm very flattered that I was top of your list.
0: This is one of the famous questions, right? I know you go to lots of mingling meetings and networking and parties, etc. And you know when people come and see you and then they say, So Janet, what is it that you do? How do you answer that type of question?
1: Okay, so I've just had a bit of a rebrand, a bit of a refresh. Uh, But generally what I'd say to people is I help people to promote themselves more effectively so they can make more money or I help, help business owners to promote themselves more effectively so they can make more money. In fact, I've recently refined it and I've just put on my Twitter profile, I've just put, I help small business owners get better at marketing so they can make more money, which I think sounds a bit better.
0: Definitely. I love it. And I think that's a key thing when it comes down to to businesses. And I think hopefully we'll dive into that in this topic, how a lot of times people can shy away from that making money part or the sales and overcomplicate the marketing side, which is from listening to your podcast over the years, um, really just understanding, actually, it doesn't have to be that complicated. And really, if you don't do marketing, you get no sales.
1: Exactly. I think that when I see people going wrong with marketing, it's because they see it's like an activity, something that you do when you have a few spare minutes or in the evenings when you've got a bit of extra time. But actually, marketing is its how you make money. It's the lifeblood of your business and, and you can't treat it like that.
0: Definitely. And so what brought you to do what you're doing? Tell us a bit of your backstory if you can.
1: Okay, so I'll try and keep it brief. <laughs> so I started off actually as a, a school teacher. So uh, I when I I left university I was always kind of I couldn't decide whether to do teaching or whether to do journalism and somebody told me at the time that it was really hard to get into journalism that you had to have gone to Oxford or Cambridge and you had to have loads of connections I'd never make it on the nationals and I don't think I was as confident as I am now so I decided to train to be a teacher and I did it for four years I didn't hate it or anything but I just I was 25, 26. I was marking books all <sighs> late every night and doing lesson planning. And I just kind of thought, oh, there's more to life than this. So I, I, I gave up my job. I went to study journalism at the London College of Printing. I went to do a diploma. And actually, I was quite entrepreneurial right from the off. We were encouraged to sell our work at journalism college. And so I, I got some pieces, actually got in the nationals quite soon, actually. You know, despite the fact everybody told me that nobody could do that. And I worked out pretty early on that actually I could make more money if I was freelance. And I thought, actually, when I I got an offer for a job, like a junior journalism job, and it was loads less than I was earning teaching, I thought, actually, I think I could earn more money just by selling articles to newspapers and magazines. So that's basically what I ended up doing. I mean, I still would sort of call myself a journalist. I still do a tiny bit of journalism for 18 years, basically, writing and editing for national newspapers and magazines. And something happened pretty early on in my journalism career, where I, I spotted something that I didn't think was right. And it ended up leading me really into to what I'm doing now. And I spotted that people were awful at pitching to the media. So I would get these like, dreadful press releases, these dreadful pitches in my inbox. And I just think, how would anyone think that a journalist would be interested in that? And what would really upset me is that Sometimes they, they would come from small business owners and they would not small business owners themselves. But they would come from small business owners that had hired PR companies to do this for them. And these PR companies, it seemed like they were doing a dreadful job because they were just sending things that were totally off target. So I thought, well, if these people don't know how to pitch, maybe I can teach them how to do it. So I started running these pitching workshops in London where we get like, Big companies, actually, like the likes of John Lewis and or whatever, we get them in there. We teach them pitching, and then I thought to myself, what do these people really want? Actually, what they want is the access to journalists. They want to be able to sit down and talk to journalists from the Guardian, from the Huffington Post, from the Independent, the Telegraph. So I thought, well, actually, I can broker this. I can, I can get them in a room with some really high-profile journalists. So I started running these conference-style events where I'd get all these journalists, um, and we'd, we'd charge people with basically sell them tickets to come to this event and hear from these journalists and meet them and through that I started to get some really nice consultancy work so I'd get booked to do pitching training or writing training at universities, colleges, charities and it was much better paid than journalism and I started to think hmm, I'd like to get a bit more of this work so, <laughs> so I thought oh how can I get people to to find me like so I don't have to go out and find these people or just hope that they find me and I thought I'll tell you what I'll do I'll start a blog and if I start blogging about the questions that people ask me all the time then people will find me now what I was doing actually was content marketing I didn't realize that's what yeah. I was doing but obviously I started writing a blog and actually I did get people reading it quite early on I used to be off on Twitter like promoting it and that but I wanted to get more people to read this blog so I started to learn about traffic generation strategies I started to learn about you know how to how to get people on your email list because we started off with these events you know we were literally scraping email addresses we were going to like university websites and college websites I didn't know any better and just yeah. thinking, a list of press offices how do we get them obviously that was pre-GDPR yes
0: absolutely I was just about to say that there my warning message
1: <laughs> but you know I just didn't know you know basically I was thinking oh, I want to fill a room with these people how, yeah. how do I get in touch with them so we were just scrappy scrappy entrepreneur just trying to trying to do that and so I started to study learn about email marketing I started then to learn about you know not just collecting email addresses, but how to write great email copy and keep people on my list. And and then I I learned about social media and social media marketing. And before I knew it, I was doing content marketing quite well. And I thought, you know what, I'd really like to transition and pivot. I'd really like to help small business owners I was working with a lot of I was still working as a journalist but I was also working with lots of education organizations and whatever and um, I thought I really want to pivot and work with small business owners what's my niche you know what can I really help them with so I started basically teaching press and PR and so fast forward now I mean I've probably missed a little bit out which we can talk about more (laughs) because I've just had another kind of rebrand but um, in recent years I've been helping people mainly with press and PR but you know just helping small business owners promote themselves so that like I said at the beginning they, they can make more money. I started off really kind of niching into getting press coverage in newspapers, magazines, radio and TVs. So I've got a membership community. I speak. Um, we met at the Upreneur Summit. We'll be kind yeah. of connected before, but we met in person first and then in London last year. I I've got a book called Your Press Releases Breaking My Heart, which is all about how to, um, how to get press coverage. I've got a podcast, which I've had for a couple of years. It used to be the Soulful PR podcast. Now it's the Janet Murray podcast. And um, obviously that was a key thing as well in terms of building up my audience and, yeah. and um, getting people to know about what I did. And I'm trying to think of the other things I do. <laughs> Consultancy, I've got a mastermind group. I um, also work with people one-to-one. Um, so yeah, that's, that's pretty much my, <laughs> my CV. I said I was going to be quick, didn't I?
0: Perfect. Well, I love the fact there's so many different angles that we can dive into there. Um, and I love, especially coming from the being a teacher to, to what you're doing just now. How was that transition for you when it was coming to thinking about starting your own business or going out freelance? Was that an easy decision, Janet, or did it take you some time and mulling over?
1: Not really. I mean, I think I'm quite an impulsive person. Mm-hmm. And my parents are not impulsive at all. They're quite safe. And yeah. I remember my dad saying to me really clearly, I think you'll go back to teaching. And I think in a sense, he was probably right, because I've always loved like, helping people and teaching. Now I just kind of jumped. And I do tend to just kind of jump a lot. <laughs> and um, I think I've just got better at doing it. I'm less worried and, and less fearful than I used to be when I was younger.
0: Definitely. And it sounds like just from, from hearing your story there, a lot of times it was quick action and it's getting a sense of what's happening, what can you do and, and just going for it, which from obviously when I coach a lot of my clients, sometimes what can really get in their way is if they can over plan or if they overthink or just try and get all the ducks in a line and actually end up slowing themselves down. From your experience, because I know you work with a lot of small entrepreneurs and small business owners. How do you find they are when it comes to taking action quickly?
1: Yeah, I mean, I find that as somebody that works and runs a membership community, it's something I have to manage myself because I'm a quick action taker. And I'm somebody, if I get an idea, I can have it up and running and on sale the next day and I won't overthink the details. And for, I think it, it really helps in terms of things like having a minimum viable product because I won't I won't make anything until I know people will buy it. So I will literally, like, I've got this media diary that I made and, um, you know, I've, I've sold thousands of them as a content planning tool, but I literally got my designer to mock up a picture of it, put it on a landing page and sold however many hundred it was I needed to, to just kind of, check that it was a goer <laughs> um, and I do that kind of thing all the time and <laughs> um, um, so it's got lots of plus points so when I'm working with my clients often I find they're not like that at all and even just something as simple as I don't know setting up a lead magnet so yeah. if they want to collect people's email addresses and it will be this whole thing that takes like six months or a year for them to get around to do or putting themselves forward to speak or even like Facebook posts or, you know, posting on Twitter or something like that, I'll always be amazed because I'm the kind of person that just, I don't read the instructions. I've got this running watch and uh, my running coach, like who writes my programs for me, she gets really annoyed with me because there's something wrong with it um, where it's measuring miles, not quite 1.6. Right. And and I've, I've looked at it and tried to work it out. And she keeps sending me the link to the instructions, but I literally just can't look at the instructions. I, <laughs> I have to kind of do it and figure it out. So I find as a membership site owner working with people, I have to check myself and pull myself back because, you know, I, I run a Twitter chat on a, on a Monday evening and people won't join this chat because they'll say, I don't know how to use Twitter. I say, well, that's OK. Right. Just just come in and, and have a go. And, I, you know, I'll buddy you up with somebody. I've written a blog post to help them. I also have in my membership, we have a, a Wednesday afternoon um, office hour call that people can drop into and ask questions and as a membership site owner again it, it really kind of shocked me when I learned that some people were too scared to come to the call because they weren't sure what was going to happen right. even though we would kind of said you know we use zoom it's video conferencing this yeah. is what happened but they couldn't like you know they they, they just couldn't imagine what it was going to be like and it was too scary for them and so I think I've got a lot better at kind of at working with people who don't like work at my sort of fast yeah. <laughs> Breakneck speed. And being, uh, you know, I think being a membership site owner has helped me to be more understanding. I'm always sort of conscious and thinking, okay, well, just because I think like that, or just because yeah. I see it that way, it doesn't mean that somebody else is. And so I can feel the frustration, but I'm able to take a step back and think, well, just because that's frustrating doesn't mean I shouldn't help and provide a solution. So that's kind of what I try and do.
0: Definitely. And I love the fact, just listening to you, Janet, there, obviously, when I was on your podcast, we talked all about your superpower using Wealth Dynamics as being a star profile. So even everything that you said there, <laughs> I'm going... <laughs> Janet, yep, typical stars. And a few of the key points I just want to pick up there is uh, taking an idea and running with it and not necessarily getting too obsessed with all the detail and actually thinking about, right, you know, is a market wanting this, you know, going there with a minimal viable product definitely kind of saves a lot of second guessing or wasted time and energy in that way. So I'll obviously link to the podcast episode that I did on your podcast and we dove into Wealth Dynamics and Superpower a lot more but even knowing you're a star profile Janet how's that helped you um, over the months since um, we brought that to life for you would you say?
1: Well I think what was really interesting for me is because about the same time I did a a personality test and I've always thought that I was um, I've always thought I was an introvert because I'm quite a self-confident person but I like spending time alone and I get really exhausted like when we go to like Big events and you know, like, and there's lots of people there. I, I just need to go and hide away afterwards. And so, about the time I did that, I did some kind of personality test or something and said I was extrovert and and the whole thing and hearing that I was a star profile, I was kind of a bit. I was surprised, but not surprised at the same yeah. time because basically the bits that I picked up were you know likes to kind of be in the, <laughs> not likes to be in the limelight, but as at their best in the limelight. So speaking, leading things, but kind of struggles with the detail and that sums me. I you know I struggle with finishing things. I think I was already doing this to an extent anyway, but I've become much more conscious of it um, and I'm much more kind of mindful of the fact that I do struggle to finish projects. And so I've got an assistant, Jo, who's like brilliant. She's been working with me for ages, but she is a finisher. And so having somebody around me who kind of calls me out and says, you know, you're going to start on that, but you haven't finished that off yet. (laughs) Um, And somebody who who kind of um, goes in on the detail and can actually because I sort of feel like as as a star profile I do get really bogged down by detail like I mentioned about the instructions before yeah. that kind of thing just before we got on this call actually I was I'm trying to um, book some event insurance for um, for an event that I'm running and I'm trying to renew a policy and they want some kind of like tax numbers <laughs> and it's just doing my head in because I can't find it and it's a detail thing and but some people love that kind of thing so what yeah. I've learned to do more actually since that podcast episode is instead of getting angry with because I get angry with myself about yeah. what's wrong with you why can't you finish why can't you do the detail actually just outsourcing it and just getting somebody lined up and saying, look, you're better at this than me. Do you mind? Just doing this for me. Yeah, and um, I think that that feels like the best way to deal with it. I don't know what you would say, it?
0: Yeah, definitely. It's about playing to your strengths. And obviously, I know you lead your community as well. And I love what you said there is that you have to be mindful that not everybody acts like you or thinks like you or makes decisions in the same way. And even just taking that step backwards, you know, like when I've got my transformation exchange community, there's the amount of times I'm saying, based upon your challenge, this is the advice I'd give you to move things forward. But actually, that's not going to work with everybody. And I love the fact that it just gives you a different appreciation and it stops you from thinking, what's wrong with me? I mean, or like mm. you say, getting angry with yourself so that you can actually spend more of your time just playing to your strengths.
1: Mm. I think there is a temptation to get annoyed with yourself and think, yeah. well, other people can do this. Like I even find like tidying up, I find yeah. really hard. Like <laughs> if I have to tidy something up, I, I kind of get to a certain point. And then I just I just look at a pile of stuff and I think oh god I, I can't do that so I just <laughs> I just move it yeah. to a pile whatever and so just you know just being more tuned into it and thinking well actually that's how I am and that's okay you know there's there's other things that. That, that I'm strong at, you know, in the business as well. But having people around me that are finishers yeah. um, and people who are detail-orientated, I think that does help me. In my team, it's quite funny because we've got Jo, who's a, she's definitely a kind of finisher, a detailed-oriented yeah. person. I've got Lisa, who does my events, who's, who's very, very similar. But my designer, Tracy, she's just she's just like me. And mm. the two of us, like, you know, <laughs> some, sometimes the others will be like, where have you filed that? Yeah. <laughs> what, whatever, because... Like we are, like the stereotypical. I'd say Tracy's more of a creator, she's not a style profiler, but yeah, we, we kind of need keeping in check by the others because uh, otherwise, everything would be you know, it's like all the, all the drawers would be, yeah. open. <laughs> be open, and we kind of need people around us to keep us in check.
0: Definitely, definitely. And I love the fact obviously recently you've said you went through a bit about a change and a rebrand as well. And even when I saw on your I think it was Facebook where you were kind of sharing your new podcast front cover, and I thought, yes, you know, Janet's going for the Janet Murray show. And I'm not seeing that all star profile business owners have to use their name but a lot of stars do do that because it does help them to get out there more and be in the spotlight and um, so i do love the fact that you know it sounds like you're embracing that more and more and um, but i'm interested in terms of you obviously had a successful brand when i first heard about you it was local pr how was that transition and making that decision to to shake things up
1: um it was kind of easier than you'd imagine so what happened was basically i was uh I sort of got myself this nice niche as a press and PR specialist. But what I realised when I started working with people, they'd come to me looking for help with getting in newspapers, magazines, radio and TV. And then what I'd realised is that, but actually they weren't doing the other things you should be doing as a, an effective marketer. So they weren't, yeah. they weren't blogging or they weren't building their email list or they weren't active on social media. So that meant that even if I could help them get in Mary Claire or The Guardian or whatever, the impact of that coverage would be very low because they didn't have any audience, they didn't have any uh, online presence mm-hmm. or profile. So gradually I started to kind of shift the focus of my membership and I, I, I had these four pillars, these four areas. So I talk about content, email, social and press. But then I just realized that actually... I think the media has really changed, and it's yeah. it's meant I've changed. I'm running an event. I used to run this event called Soulful PR Live, and this year it's called Media Influence Live. And I think that although it's still important to get press coverage in that kind of traditional sense and newspapers, magazines, radio, and TV, most of us are out there now who are running our own businesses and we're making our own media. So we're podcasting, we're yeah. blogging, we've got our own magazines, we're YouTube channels. You know, we're making our own TV shows, and we're not standing around waiting to be picked. So I just felt this was a natural transition, and I felt. Also almost like I was calling myself a PR specialist, but that didn't actually describe what I did. So I remember one day I went into my Facebook group and I've got this Facebook group, which has got like 13,000 members in it. And I just said to them, can I just get your opinion on something? And I said, look, um, you know, people know me for this thing, but actually day to day, that's not what I help people with and I'm thinking of changing well, It was really funny because everybody was like no, no, no you know that's what marks you out as different no, you're not just one of those other marketers they were saying and, but I was saying but actually that isn't what I do and it's yeah. all very well having a nice niche but if, it, if, it, you know, it's, if it's like you're calling yourself a customer service expert but actually what you do is sales or something it's completely yeah. different so in the end and this is probably a typical star profile thing, <laughs> I do ask people's opinions but in the end I kind of just knew that I was right so <laughs> I just kind of thought okay, well I've kind of warmed people up and I've kind of yeah. given them an the idea there's going to be a change here so I just gradually started and the other thing my my the colors of my brands were yeah this is interesting because I it was all kind of like these pastel colors yeah. and I'm not really a pastel person like I one of the problems I had this is quite sounds quite silly but is that on my Instagram feed I wear red a lot um because I like it and because- <laughs> but i'd always be like oh i can't i have to change my top and put something pink on because it doesn't you know i can't put it on instagram (laughs) my brand and we used to joke about this all the time and i'm much more of a like a red i've gone for like reds you know it's reds and oranges, really strong colors i think i'm much more of a red person but what happened was because my brand was called soulful pr i was also attracting sort of wishy-washy woos people and that isn't me as well you know like yeah. if someone ask me about the law of attraction you know I believe in the law of attraction because I think if you want to do something and you set that as your intention you then take this the steps that you need to get it yeah. done so the action the,
0: part which many people yeah. forget or or think they don't have to do
1: yeah exactly but I'm not into that kind of like oh you just sit and manifest whatever but because it was soulful PR I was actually attracting people like that who I don't think are my right people I really wouldn't work with action takers and you know I don't mind working with people who are you know a bit nervous and their hands holding a bit but I want people who ultimately are going to to take action so I think I was attracting some of the wrong people So basically, we just kind of gradually... My my designer was so excited. She was like, right, I've actually had this. I I did this a few ages ago. I've created the new style sheet. And she sent me, like, all the colors and fonts that she'd already been working on. Um, And so I just... I didn't do it. I just decided to kind of do it gradually. So I started bringing in, like... I started changing up my social media. I started bringing in the new colors and new looks. And um, we're kind of almost there. My website was done last weekend. Still got a few bits and pieces to do. But I guess that's another kind of style profile thing. Because like I think another person or some even some of the people I work with I don't think they would be able to cope with that like yeah. doing rebrand gradually like just gradually changing things and okay we're changing this this week okay there are a few bits that don't, <laughs> you know, don't quite match up but you know I just think well I'm moving forward and and you know it's not perfect but it, it's getting there but I think um there's other sort of types of personality who yeah. would be able to take that
0: I'm sitting here laughing because, like, I'm the opposite profile. I'm a trader profile, and um, basically, when I was launching the podcast, I thought, right, we need to get the podcast up on the website. And I kid you not, just by me making that decision about right, let's get on that that on the website. I thought, hmm, what picture am I going to use? Well, that doesn't connect with the brand, and I literally did a, a rebrand of the whole website, Janet. <laughs> Just for the, the podcast launch, I'm loving it. I mean, it fits a lot more with where I am, and things are kind of always like evolving and kind of it's an iteration. But definitely a completely different strategy for for a kind of a star profile um, from my action around it.
1: Yeah, definitely. I, mean, I think I one of my strengths, I think, is is um being able to take imperfect. action. Like, I mean, I'm I'm still quite fussy, but as long as I'm kind of moving forward, yeah, I, think I can kind of cope even if things aren't perfect.
0: Definitely, definitely. And, and so much of what you said there resonates in my earlier career. I don't think you know too much about this. Um, but when I left the corporate world, my thing was I wanted to be a NLP trainer, neuro-linguistic programming. So that's kind of what I did. And I was up and in the country delivering these courses. But then quite quickly, like I still love NLP. I still use NLP. But people started to label me as being, okay, this man's an NLP guy. And it kind of felt like and I'd have people coming onto my workshops, I'd be teaching them things like how to do all these cool NLP techniques. And the framing of the courses were about teaching other people to do it. But what would really frustrate me was knowing that the, the people, the students that were on my course, they were getting a value and they were getting the breakthroughs that they wanted from NLP. But all the, the, the things that I'm teaching them was about actually do this with your team, help other people. But I kind of knew that like 70% of people would be going out there and never actually using those. With Mm -hmm. others, does that make sense? So that was my kind of, kind of. I could have continued to do that, but there was just that little feeling of, "Mm, why am I not just actually using those tools in a way that serves the best kind of um, results? And that's kind of where I moved away from being the NLP guy and looking at who I really love working with. It where those people coming from the corporate world and wanting to get out their way. And yes, I still use NLP and a mix of tools, but it was a big, it was a big decision, but also people were saying to me at the time, oh, man, no, 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 don't move away from NLP because that's, that's your thing. But we sometimes just have to make those hard decisions and actually go what's right for us. And especially if it's not feeling completely congruent, then, you know, we have to kind of move it forward as well.
1: Well, I felt a bit disingenuous. Also. Yeah. And like you, I want to get people results. So I want to be able to say oh, this person has had a transformation because. Yeah. of working with me." But the trouble is with teaching press is, and it's hard, you know, like there's, there's, I, I can teach anybody how to get into Marie Claire or the Guardian or whatever. I can show them what they need to do. But actually, there's quite a lot of grit and determination yeah. involved. And only, you know, a small percentage of people are really you know, are really willing to get stuck in and, and do that. And it's hard and, and, and it's competitive. And, but also I feel that getting press coverage, or I felt that in today's kind of environment, that it is a good thing. It's great to have all that bling on your website that says you've been featured in all these places, but actually what moves the needle in terms of sales is for me, it's email marketing. You would put a gun to my head and say, what's the thing that really (laughs) helps? It's email marketing. And that's what's worked for me. So teaching something that you know is kind of helpful but that you know there's other skills that you've got that actually have a much bigger impact on somebody's business i think that's kind of um that's where i kind of felt there was a, a disconnect and it just yeah. didn't sit right with me and so and and i've like started talking a lot more actually about I was just talking to someone about this earlier about money so yeah. with marketing and pr i feel that a lot of people see it as a, like an activity so you do marketing and pr like so people often say to me I really want to work on my marketing, but I haven't got time at the moment. And I'm like, what? Like, (laughs) if you haven't got time for marketing, then how have you got any clients? And well, if you you don't need to market, that's brilliant. But often in the same breath, they'll tell me they're not making enough money, but they haven't got time for marketing. So I'm kind of on a bit of a mission to kind of, you know, sort of get that across to people that marketing, PR, whatever you want to call it, it's it's not an activity that you yeah. do when you've got time. It's like the lifeblood of your business. It's how you make money, and also I feel really passionate about about talking about money as well because I think that again when it comes back to kind of what I was doing. I like to be able to kind of give people really tangible outcomes. And I want my clients to be able to say, as a result of working with you, my revenue has gone up by this much. And actually, that's one of the ways that I've changed up my memberships. But I was feeling feeling frustrated because when I was wanting to, like say, write testimonials about my clients, I wanted to to get testimonials so that other people could make a decision whether it's wrong or not. I feel like they give me really fluffy testimonials and, you know, oh, I'm, I'm now posting more on Facebook or, you know, I'm now, I've now set up an email newsletter. And for me, that's, that's not measurable. It's not yeah. tangible. So I, what I want, the story that I want my clients to be able to say is I'm now earning double the amount of yeah. was last year yeah. or whatever. My revenue has gone up by this and, um, you know, or, or my client number has gone yeah. up this or my price, whatever it might be. It's important for me to kind of stay in integrity. And, and while I'm kind of out there very visible, all yeah. the rest of it. But you know, I want people to do well and get results, and so that's really important to me.
0: Where do you see from your experience? Where do you think people tie themselves up the most when it comes to getting themselves out there more?
1: It's almost like an ego thing. I think yeah. we think that people are more interested in us than they actually are. <laughs> so, I did a, a podcast episode recently, and it's called "Why You Need to Sell More Than You Think." And basically, what happens is I've got this event that I'm running in July, and I went into my Facebook group and. If everywhere you look, in my Facebook group, Facebook page, Twitter, there's a big banner on all my social media platforms that say, Media Influence Live, book your ticket here. But this lady came in and she said, Janet, I've, I've been hearing about your event, Media Live, she called it. I want to come, but I can't find any information. <laughs> and it just made me die because I counted up. I'd I'd sent. I'd mentioned it on about 25 podcast episodes. Yeah. I'd like written 10 blog posts. I'd done like multiple like dozens and dozens of social media posts emailed probably said about 20 25 emails on it and this lady was saying I can't find any information on it and and so I wrote this post which was really popular and I ended up turning it into a podcast episode about how I think we can be so we're so into ourselves and we're so tied up with our own egos it's almost like we think that everybody's sitting there going oh I'm just waiting for the next email to come in from Janet or um, (laughs) or I'm watching for the next social media post. And the truth is, is that no one actually really cares that much, do they? Like, you know, they're they're just getting on with their lives. They're bringing up their kids. They're going on holiday. They're going to work. They're walking their dog, whatever. And they don't really care about us. So I think that people can be so paranoid about what other people think and unnecessarily so that they, they won't post on social media or they won't, Send that extra email or they won't yeah. do that Facebook live but actually nobody really cares that much and if you you know I mean I this is the episode it turned into why you need to sell more than you think because basically most people are not taking that much notice of you <laughs> it means that you do have to kind of put yourself forward you know more than you think you do to, to make sales and you, you have to you know so that's what I, I'm that's the, the sort of um challenge I think I'm facing every day with um, the clients that I'm working with is that there's a kind of an ego thing going on where they think that people are more interested in them than they actually Uh, are. Does that kind of make sense?
0: It totally does. And I still remember when I launched my um, group community um, a couple of years ago now, and I still remember the point where I was doing a live event as well. And somebody came up to me and said, oh, you know, their friend was a member of the Transformation Exchange. And she's like, how do I not know anything about it? It was like, it was as big as darkest secret and I didn't invite, you know, this particular person in. And I was like, seriously, I've been emailing about it. I've been on Facebook about it. And in my world, I felt like I've been talking about it too much. Mm-hmm. So that was a big lesson because she didn't see any of that. Obviously she was, you know, in her own world, for example, and you know, we don't read all the emails that we get, et cetera. Um, but that was a key learning for me. And I always say to my clients as well, is if you think that you're talking about something too much, you're probably still not talking about it enough or you're not sharing about it enough. And there is that that delicate balance. You don't want to be all spammy and, you know, saying the same thing all the time. But yeah, we can often get wrapped up in our own kind of world thinking everybody knows and everybody's watching every single thing that we're doing. But it's just not true.
1: <laughs> yeah. And uh, something I find myself saying all the time is basically it's not about you. So yeah. with social media engagement. So when people are not getting much engagement, so people often say to me, um, should should I be making direct sales on social media? Should I be making offers about my, and I said, well, you can make offers, like direct offers, come to my event or sign up for this program. I said, but to be honest, people generally, they just don't engage. And even with content. So I find um, if I post up on my Facebook page or in my group, uh, listen to my new podcast, and it might be something really useful. Like it might be, you know, how to uh, double your web traffic on Pinterest or something like that. Really, yeah. really super specific, really helpful. I'll get like two, two comments, two likes or something. You know, really weedy, even yeah. though it's really useful. If I just turn it around and I say, and this is exactly what I do, how are you doing on Pinterest? And and to give people specific choices, so I say, yeah. a, doing brilliantly, getting great traffic. B haven't really got my head around it yet. Help. See, um, you know, uh, not really sure how it's relevant to my business. Uh, What I try to do with all of my content is I make it about my audience and not about me. I just try and find a way to turn it back on the audience. Like, what do you think? Like, do you agree? Do you disagree? And it's like, like a magic little (laughs) one thing wave and and that's what I I think with all of our content with all of our you know marketing I think if we're just constantly thinking you know my clients say to me things like I don't want to make those kinds of posts because it makes me sound I don't like those yeah yeah. I don't like those kind of emails and I and I often say to them can you just repeat back to me what you said (laughs) I said you know this is about your customer this is about the help that they need about the pain that they're in this is about the problem that you're solving it doesn't matter what you think or what you like if you want to engage with them you have to speak their language and you have to you have to speak to them in the way that they need to be spoken to and often that's a huge light bulb moment when i'm working with my clients when i I repeat it back to them and say what can you just say what you just said to me and they say i i I don't like it i don't like doing this i don't you know it's not about you
0: Definitely. That leads me nicely on to, before I came on to the podcast interview, I um, went into my Facebook group and I asked the community there, like, I've got Janet coming on this podcast, what questions would you ask? And one of the questions that came through was from Sam that said, what if someone I know sees what I publish and laughs at me? Okay, What's what's your take on that in terms of if that holds people back from publishing or pressing send? Any kind of thoughts on that?
1: Such a good question. Actually, this happened to one of my clients. So one of my clients posted in our membership a little while ago to say that she'd been doing this Facebook Live. And a friend of hers sent her a Facebook message and just said to her, look, I'm telling you this as a friend, but I've seen some of your videos and, you know, they're an embarrassment. And I'm saying this because I'm your friend and, you know, I'm trying to be nice here, but I thought someone should tell you. And she was absolutely gutted. Now, I looked at that lady's videos and as the others in the group. And there was nothing wrong with her videos. Yeah. The only thing that was wrong with her videos, she was outside and it was a bit noisy. She needed to come outside, come inside. <laughs> that was all it was. But, you know, it was fine and we all have to start somewhere. Yeah. And we supported her and she's carried on making the videos. And now her videos are you know, great and, and having a little impact. I think that it's a really tough thing because I guess, and you probably ha- would have a better angle on this than I would, as, as I'm very much somebody that if someone knocks me down, I just keep getting back up again. Yeah. And that's kind of my default. <laughs> you know, if someone knocks me down, I'll brush myself <laughs> off, get back up and back up back up. I'm like in a boxing ring. Um, and I feel like that's the way for me to deal with it is that, I mean, I've, as a journalist, I've had to become, it got a really tough skin because yeah. to, I've had quite a lot of criticism. But I mean, it sounds cliche, but it's, it says more about them yeah. than it does about you. You know, if you're the kind of person that has got the time to, to make spiteful, insulting comments and you know the Brené Brown quote, yeah. quote about if you're not in the ring getting getting um I can't wait your butt kicked or whatever she said then you know I'm not interested in your opinion yeah and I I think it sounds awful but and I'm trying to think of some of something else that I could say but I just think you have to kind of weather it and you have to just keep going because the only way you're going to get better at any of this stuff is by by practice yeah. so if I look back at my early videos, my early posts, I would probably cringe at them. But if I hadn't made them, I wouldn't be making much better content than I am now. But I think things you can do is, is um, get a bit of a support network yeah. around you. I think it's much better. To, it's easier to deal with that sort of thing if you have got supportive friends and um, people who can kind of help you out. But I think the, the one thing is that you mustn't let it do is to, is to stop you. Yeah. Um, and I mean, would you have any advice? I'm saying that as, you know. Totally. Would, specific type of personality but i'm wondering whether you'd have any advice about a specific how you might adjust that for different definitely
0: a couple of things came up when i got that question when i read it first of all i thought well is that person that you're worried about are they actually your ideal customer or client right because if they're not then absolutely who cares and what i find is often we could be worried about and we talked about this in the previous episode that um, that i had which was episode five and it was all about comparisonitis is Sometimes when we're creating content, we're actually writing it in the, in the way that we think, oh, what if our peer reads this? Do you know I mean, mm-hmm. well, they think I'm good enough or do they think I know my stuff? But actually, that's not who is actually going to be your ideal customer that, that, who's going to work with you. So actually, I always take it to the point of, I don't care what everybody thinks, okay? But as long as even one person turns around and goes, that was really useful for me. That's all mm-hmm. that kind of matters. So I think that's kind of a different kind of reframe around it. Are they your ideal client and customer? Mm-hmm. And even yes, it can feel you know, rubbish getting kind of feedback like that or thinking about it. But just kind of asking yourself, you know, what would you rather? Would you rather not get the results that you're looking for or yeah. achieving those dreams or satisfy people that are probably not even laughing at you? Yeah. It's, you know, it's in your own head often.
1: Often when we're, you know, we're in this online business space, often we're dealing with people who just don't understand what yeah. we do. Like my parents don't understand what I do. My friends, most of them don't understand what I do. My normal friends. <laughs> and uh, and um, my dad said to me one day, so you might remember at and um, that I shared, um, I had a very successful piece of social media content where when I was speaking at Youpreneur, I shared a picture of me wearing a blue dress. And a picture. Yes. and I said to people, which one do you think I should wear? I got great engagement on LinkedIn, great engagement on Twitter, great engagement everywhere. And... I share that because, you know, often if we're speaking at an event, we might just want to make a straight post that says, yeah. hey, I'm speaking at this event, come along. You know, people don't engage with that. This was a really engaging way to tell people that I was speaking at this event. So it's a little tip for you. Yeah. And, and I actually brought it into my I brought it into my talk as well. And, and and in the talk, I said, can you put your hands up if you've seen this this piece of content? And a lot of people had. And I've, I've since, you know, got, since got loads more mileage out of that picture anyway. But my dad said to me at the time, he said, because when I get new photos done, if I get new headshots done, I always yeah. share them and say, which one do you like the best and blah, 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 because people love giving their opinions <laughs> and stuff. And sometimes they will say, you know, not so nice things. Yeah. My dad said to me, do you ever worry that people might think you're arrogant and full of yourself? Because of course, when you share headshots that you've just had done, you know, I've just had some lovely headshots done and I look like miles better than I do in real life. <laughs> in them. Um, and, you know, they're nice because we've only chosen the nice ones. Yeah, and, definitely. And the, probably the most attractive in those ones much more attractive than I do this afternoon but you know that's the very nature of what of of what we do my dad said do you think anyone might think that you're showing off or think that you're or, or when you talk about speaking at this event or you talk about what and I said to my dad well I've got a choice you know so I either stay quiet yeah and I'm struggling for clients and struggling for work or I just think to myself well actually this is what I need to do to make sure that I keep a roof over my head and to work in the, I know I want to work from home. I want to have the flexibility of not having a, you know, a nine to five job and be able to work at home and see my daughter when she comes home from school. And if I want to do that, then promoting myself online is a a big part of that. So I just have to kind of put that to one side and say, well, this is kind of my priority. And again, that might not work for everybody, Mm -hmm. but for me, it's just a tool. It's, it's just a, a way that I'm, you know a a way that I'm using to to get work and and to keep a roof over my head you know it's just my way of surviving and definitely that's fine
0: and the people that that might think that you're arrogant or they, they don't like it, you know. The truth is that they're actually most likely never going to be your client anyway. So so who cares in that way? And if you could put all your energy focusing on them, it's actually you know it's like they're winning and you're actually losing in that way. So great question, Sam. Hopefully that helps um, you on that one. And then Lisa asked a question as well here. What three pieces of advice? I love the fact that she wants three. She wants to get value <laughs> from this. <laughs> what three pieces of advice would you give to yourself if you could go back? To year one in your business.
1: Okay, that is a really, really good question. And the very specific, put me on the spot to have
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> three things. What would I do differently? Because I'm trying to think about what's the start of my business because obviously I've been in business for yeah. like years and years. Should we talk about since I've been in online business or just sort of generally, do you think?
0: Let's do online business.
1: Okay, so sort of the last sort of four or five yeah. years. Okay. So I would have really focused on building my audience i think i tried to make some offers too early so i tried to a lot of my clients do this as well it's yeah. a common mistake so i tried to i tried to move from a one to one or one to few model to a one to many model too quickly so i i probably didn't build my audience and my email list enough to kind of sustain You know, I I imagine that I could get a couple of hundred people on my email list, and I could make them an offer, and they'd all buy, and I'd be a millionaire. And uh, that's a very common mistake that people (laughs) make. So, um, and also, you know, I sometimes think, well, actually, probably a good mistake to make because I've learned so much from the process. (laughs) Um, And I think, I think that's why I'm struggling actually to get to three because, because I feel like none of them are really all of these mistakes that I've made. They've all led me to something, something better and yeah I'm sort of struggling in a way because <laughs> I'm thinking that because of my, my mindset I tend to just think oh when you make a mistake that's kind of a good thing because you learn i tell you what I did do wrong and this was very early on I, I think I hired people too soon right. so I had a permanent member of staff too soon and I had permanent premises too soon so I kind of I think I started off the wrong path I ended up kind of almost like winding down my business and starting it again yeah I think if I was going to do it again I probably would keep things a lot more lean to start off with and I think think they're probably the only things because I think that the mistakes are the things that often give you the biggest learning which sounds a bit naff but it's totally
0: true. Well, I I believe that less is more as well. And those are two great pieces of advice as well. Um, And I do love the fact of what you kind of said there is, you know, sometimes people can go too quickly, too fast. And that's where when I'm coaching clients, often I hear them saying, I want to get out there and I want to create online courses. Okay. Or I want to create a, a massive membership group, but they're not actually even out there serving clients on a one-to-one basis in a way they've just started. Mm. Does that make sense? And I'm not saying that you always have to kind of take, take your time around it, but I often find people are trying to jump far too quickly yeah, and yeah. then they can get disappointed because like you say, you might not have that, um, the, the, the list of people around you or the community or the networks to be able to make that happen. Or, you might go. You might attract a good number of people to come, but if you've not got the experience or the confidence in terms of how do you give advice or how do you coach people on a one-to-many kind of basis, if you've never done that as much, then you could really be setting yourself up for for failure in a, in a bigger way as well. So I think that's just one thing which often people think that they're playing small, but actually when you question yourself and going, you know, where are you and what's that one next step for you, that can often help just make you tick the right progress rather than kind yeah. of like running before you're actually even walking as well.
1: And I also think this is not something I've specifically, a mistake I've specifically made. It's one I see my clients making more, but is people not earning their stripes, yeah. basically. Like, I think this is what you're getting at, is that actually you need the experience of maybe working with a small group programme um, I always advise everybody if they they want to join a they want to build a membership community, which is what everyone wants to do, actually yeah. start off. Can you serve five people or ten yeah. people in a small group program and can you scale that up? Or if you want to do live events, instead of going straight to 100, 120 people, can you find five people or ten people to come yeah. to Because actually that that can be quite hard in itself and I, I put this is just to finish up but I put quite a controversial post on on LinkedIn a while back which is one of my things that I tend to do a bit off on a ruffle ruffle everybody's feathers and then go off again and and uh, come back and post something very vanilla but um but I posted about um speaking because I think when people are trying to build a speaking career you know, one 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 of the things that I've done when I spoke at Youpreneur last November that was the culmination of a relationship with Chris Ducker, whose event it was. It was a really big stage, really big event. That was a culmination of like two and a half years worth of relationship building. And actually in one of my podcasts, I, I spoke actually about how, how that relationship was developed. I think even I thought actually when I first started speaking because I've been a teacher before and I was I was a competent public speaker I, I thought that I could just pitch myself on some of the kind of big big stages of whatever and I didn't realize that actually sometimes you have to earn your stripes and so in this this post that I made on LinkedIn I basically said so when people approach to speak at my events and sometimes I look at them and they don't have quite the right experience and I'll yeah. say to them, why don't you buy a ticket to come to the event come as a delegate you can learn about it you can meet us you can get a sense and then next year you'll be able to come up with you know um, something. Something which is maybe more suitable. And they often get a bit narked and they say, Well, I don't have the budget, can't afford to come to your event. And so I was making a point in this LinkedIn post that if you don't have the budget to buy a ticket for an event, then particularly if it's a marketing or business yeah. event, you're probably not ready to speak on that stage. It doesn't mean that you won't be, but you know, I can't put someone on my stage giving marketing and business advice if their marketing and business know-how isn't at the stage where <laughs> they can afford to go to an event. Do you know yes, what I mean? Or
0: it's not getting the results yet.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It really, really upset people. Like, I mean, you know, to the point where people were just like, this is outrageous. And I think sometimes, I think it, when you, you say something that it just kind of really hits the spot with people yeah. a really kind of painful point. But I do think there's a lot of people who want to and I, I'm sure I think I'm guilty of it in in certain ways of just kind of thinking that you can kind of fast forward that bit but actually sometimes you do need to go to the event. And experience it before you can speak of it. Or you do need to go to, you know, pay to be in somebody's mastermind, yeah. or pay to be part of somebody's program, so that you can get to know them or understand how they work or whatever. And, and, and I think it all comes back to that thing about not rushing and yeah. um, and, and actually just sort of taking your time, mm-hmm. building relationships, and and not expecting everything that's going to land in your lap straight away because it, it it generally doesn't work like that.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think that's again one thing I'm often remind myself on my clients as well as you know what are you in business for? Are you in it for the the short term or the long term? And if you can start thinking about it in a long term point of view, you can often kind of relax a lot more into it in terms of whether whatever you're choosing, because there's so many like taking it back to marketing, there's so many different kind of, you know, social media channels out there. But you know, you might go right, I'm going to go and do all six, and I have to do six straight away. And you might just overwhelm yourself instead of going, if you're planning to be in business in the long term, why don't you just focus on one for a month, for example, get that going, and then you can add more and more, rather than trying going all guns blazing, and then either burning out or just getting yourself so overwhelmed that you think think this isn't worth it and that's often where I see people really holding themselves back and getting in their own way as well
1: Mm, definitely really agree
0: so the final thing I want to kind of share is the one you said so many great points when I was um, listening to you at the European summit but one thing that really really stood out for me and I've got it completely highlighted in my notebook is you said everything that happens to you is a content opportunity right Yes. And I love that. And you've shared so many examples, you know, even on this podcast about the posts that went really well for you and how that can work. So, any kind of words of wisdom or tips for anybody listening here that has been holding themselves back or not putting themselves out there? around that in terms of how everything around what they're doing could be a content opportunity
1: yeah so I just think when we're in business we have a tendency to think that the things that are going to engage our prospective customers and clients are all business it's just business talk but actually the opposite is true and even on LinkedIn I say to people treat LinkedIn like your personal Facebook wall and you'll get much better engagement I think it's my journalism background but everything's a story for me you know it's like got characters in it (laughs) so so I always just think anything happens to me I think that's interesting I think I want to share that with somebody i'm always looking at how i can share it so the dress is the example you know which dress should i wear the pink dress or the blue dress and get people involved in it. people love talking they love giving yeah. you their opinions
0: i'm going to try that one um janet next week yeah. should i wear
1: no <laughs> yeah, no that would go down really well and people love them um, they love them um, sharing stories about stuff that's happened to them so um my best performing post on linkedin i think was i asked people do you give your name out in Starbucks? Because I, I make up a name when I go to Starbucks. Because I don't like them hollering my name around. And this just did really well because it worked on so many different levels. So some people hate Starbucks, so they were going yeah. on about that. Some people agreed with me and they said, um, yes, I make up a name too. Some people said that's ridiculous. You know, it's, it's things that people care about. I was laughing because on Twitter last week, my best performing post was when I said, um, my mum had given me like half a Toblerone <laughs> uh, because she'd eaten half of it. She meant to give it to me as a, a gift and she'd me this half a Toblerone. And I just made some comment <laughs> on Twitter where I said something like, you know, I would never buy a Toblerone, yeah. but um, when someone gives me one as a gift, it suddenly becomes the most enticing thing in the whole <laughs> world. All I could think about was this table downstairs and how I was going to have some of it. And I was, you know, and and I got about 50 comments yeah. like on that particular post. And more than anything more than anything that I'd posted that was, you know, worthy business speak. Even if someone sends me a nasty email, I should have added this before. I had a, a client who sent me a, a really like not very nice email and completely unnecessary. And I turned that into a piece of content because I looked at it and I just thought, you don't really realise what you're doing because yeah. you sent me that really nasty email, kind of unnecessarily. It was it was a mix-up, you know. Apologise yeah. and was kind of stuff. I won't give you the details, but you're a business owner, and the next time somebody asks me to recommend a whatever coach this person was i'm not going to think of you and, you know when someone sends you a nasty email what's the person thing you do you go and look them up on twitter facebook whatever and definitely you, definitely and their name gets lodged for all the wrong reasons so i turned that into a blog post about you know why why you shouldn't hit send on that that nasty email and yeah. how it can do you more harm than than the person and and that i turned it into email marketing as well and in terms of the interaction that i got because of that, because people could kind of empathize with it, yeah. and they could. so again, I think we often think we need to be out there sharing this really kind of worthy stuff, but often just the things that happen to us. I mean, you'll probably remember some of the stories that I shared at Upreneur were quite personal things yeah. that had happened to me. And so I sort of see myself as almost like a collector of stories, yeah. and, and um, people just love stories. We've been brought up on stories, haven't we?
0: it makes you so much more relatable as well. And I think I shared one that was last week or the week before where one of my clients said to me, because I was finishing up a call and she was asking me, oh, what have I got on for this today? And I was like, oh, you know, I've got three more clients. I'm dead excited. And she said, do you genuinely love work with all your clients? And I was like, yes, currently all the clients I do, but I've not always loved all my clients. And that sparked me to have that memory. And I think um, I posted it, which was about, you know, the one time where I literally went against my gut where I was referred a client. I think, did you see that one? I think, no, you mentioned me about it, where I ended up in someone's house and this this guy basically spilled his heart out to me, which a lot of people do in terms of being a coach. And he told me that he was still in love with his ex-wife and he was still seeing her. And then, but we didn't realize that his wife, who was eight months pregnant, was sitting outside the door listening to us. And it was honestly one of the most terrific experiences I've had in my 11 years of coaching, thinking this woman is hysterical. She's going to give labor here. And why am I in this stranger's house and dealing with this? But, and I shared that just because it sparked from when this client asked me that question about, have I loved all my clients? But again, it was very transparent. It was sharing something that not a lot of people would ever have heard me share before. But the amount of times that people even sent me personal messages and also kind of engagement on that kind of post was so much more compared to one that you might be thinking, oh, this is exactly you know what my customers would actually want to see. So to, to wrap that point up, it's about just allowing you to go have fun with it. Yeah. What are those content opportunities that just shows who you are, what you're all about, because that's actually yeah. what people... Buy the people buy you before they even think about your your service or or your your, your products as well.
1: Exactly, and there was one last story I'm just going to share. I'm going to be very very short. But I, um, you probably know this. I ran the London Marathon. Well, actually, I pulled out of the London Marathon about. Six weeks ago now, um, it was a really hot day. It was the hottest London Marathon on record and I just got overcome by the heat. I got into trouble. I got treatment and I pulled out of the London Marathon and I was just so gutted. And so what did I do the first thing the next morning? I'd planned to record an episode about how I'd successfully completed the London Marathon and now I'd, my training had gone. I, I recorded an episode about how to bounce back from setbacks yes. and I got so much great feedback for that you know because people were just like thank you for being so honest and you know I was basically kind of sharing some of my processes that I was going through to get over this thing this very public failure basically that happened to me and then I ran the Liverpool marathon um Four weeks later because I couldn't leave it I was just yeah. like I cannot leave that I have I can't believe I have you know I've, I've run three other marathons I can't I can't do this I, I can't leave it and so then I recorded another episode about how I'd overcome the setback and how I'd run this marathon and those sort of episodes you know I mean people love the practical stuff like how yeah. to get engagement on Instagram or whatever but I don't think I've ever got so many lovely personal emails, messages, Instagram posts, wherever. So I think it's not about sharing everything. You don't yeah. have to, you know, I think sometimes people think you have to kind of, there's loads of things I would never share in a million years that are really private to me. But on the subjects where I feel that actually I can add value, then yeah. why not?
0: Perfect point. And I remember I was actually remember watching the the marathon, thinking, right, where is Janet? So when I saw your your post on Facebook, I, my heart went out to you because I knew, especially from reading that post, how disappointed you were in it. So I, I did love the fact that you know you were able to bounce back and and use it to inspire other people as well. So well done, you, and well done for for completing it in Liverpool as well.
1: Thank you. <laughs> so
0: we could obviously talk on for hours and hours, and definitely we will have you back on um, on a podcast. I'm sure if you're if you're up for that in the future. Um, oh, And there's so many kind of words of wisdom and things that Janet does share out there. So I will put a lot of links in the show notes. But for those that want to kind of find out about what you've got coming up, you know, I know you've got kind of Media Influence Live coming up in July. Where's the best place for people to find out about what they could do and what you do?
1: And um, best place is my website, which is janetmurray.co.uk. I have a big Facebook group as well. It's currently called the Soulful PR Facebook Community, but it's about to change. So, um, but you, you should find me if you Google Janet Murray Facebook group. I think um, I'm on Twitter, jan underscore Murray. I'm over on Instagram, Jan Murray UK, and I'm also on Facebook. My Facebook page is Janet Murray UK, and I, I post quite a lot of stuff there um, daily. So, so yeah, come and find me.
0: Perfect. And I'll put all those links in the show notes as well. So thank you. Thank you, Jana. I've absolutely loved um, that conversation that we've had. And um, I look forward to catching up with you very, very soon. And I hope everybody got great value from this episode. The show notes for this episode will be at rapidtransformation.co.uk slash six. If you feel like you're still just scratching the surface and growing your business, and even with all the action that you're taking, you still regularly feel stuck or frustrated, then the chances are you're hitting one of the three business growth blocks that many entrepreneurs and business owners face. But don't worry, you can rapidly transform that from today. Simply start by taking my free business growth block quiz to see if your design, mindset and strategies are currently working for you or against you. Your results will help you put your finger on the elements that need your immediate focus. Plus, you'll also get access to a short video series with lots of practical ways to either fine-tune or overhaul each of these essential foundations. Take the free quiz now over at rapidtransformation.co.uk slash quiz.